Husker fans, this is the Husker After Party Post Game Show. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. The Husker After Party Post Game Show is brought to you by Southeast Community College and Street Drive-In, Lincoln Federal Savings Bank. Now, here is your host, Connor Happer. What's up? How's it going? You know, just another day. How are you, Bach? Oh, not too bad. I thought uh, that's a, that's about exactly what I thought a Nebraska-Iowa game would go. That was pretty sweet. It was not sweet. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You know, this is not news, but Nebraska football has this really, really uncanny and ridiculous way of making you think for whatever reason that today is the day today is the day that everything changes it, it it's different all the breaks are going your way um where they previously hadn't gone before and even though maybe you didn't believe coming into the game like I didn't there was a moment in that game where you did and you're standing up whether it's being up 21-9 to in the fourth quarter, or even whether Nebraska is somehow, some way, patchwork piecing together a drive down by seven with a minute left. I'm standing up. I'm out of my chair. There's a, there, there is a path to scoring a touchdown here. They might do it. And then at that very moment, whenever the hope begins to creep in, it is then in which the true spirit of Nebraska comes out and they reach inside the hole in your chest, grasp the thing that keeps your blood pumping, <laughs> remove it from your body, and say, hello, you can't do anything without this. You're dead now. And I, Connor Happer, am dead. <laughs> Welcome to the post game show. <laughs> He's dead. I I mean I you just go back to the old saying, right? Fool me once, <laughs> shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Fool me uh, enough that you are willing to bring me back for another year. <laughs> shame on everyone involved, I believe. No, I shouldn't say that. Maybe maybe uh, shame I mean, on me. <laughs> that's where, uh, we sleep, there's definitely that much. Shame definitely on me. It's uh, it's it just le This is this is the worst way you could have went into the off season. Is just having your your rival finally trying to beat the streak, have any sort of momentum in the off season, completely have the game in hand, have Kirk Ferentz kicking field goals to cut it to twenty one to six, knowing that you will all he has to do is be patient and you will self destruct as they always do. And Nebraska does, and I just you know, uh, heck of a heck of a game, heck of a three quarters I should say from Logan Smothers. I mean. There was all sorts of uh, storylines we're going to be able to run away with from this game, and then it just comes back, and it's the same 
thing. Same story, except for this time you were tricked because Nebraska usually has to come from behind to make these one-score games close. Mm. Uh, in this one, they were in the lead. They had controlled the ball game. Uh, Iowa's offense just could not get the ball in the end zone, and they didn't need their offense to really get in the ball in the end zone too much. Uh, that blocked punt, of course, goes right into the hands of an Iowa player in stride, and special teams is the swing play again uh, that causes Nebraska to lose. But don't, uh, don't look for a special teams coordinator as of yet. <laughs> well, that block punt, I don't know. I think that might have been on Prista. That's a that specialist might, uh, problem. That might have been on the specialist. <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't exact, he, he probably didn't punt it good enough. I mean, yeah. he, he punted it right into the other guy's hand, and they scored a touchdown. And why did he get it blocked so that it would bounce right to that guy's hand? Yeah, I mean, you got to know you got to know to punt it differently than the that. The special teams coordinator can't fix that. It's just your punter <laughs> punting it straight into the guy's hands. There's nothing that you could do about that. There's nothing you could do about, you know, taking a safety in the end zone. Duh. Dancing <laughs> around on, like, two play actions on that play. Long developing. Oh, I mean, ridiculous. A bad play call. And that's that's it. That's it for Scott Frost play calling duties. There it goes. Yeah, he ripped up his sheet at the end. Yeah, he's like, I'm retired. <laughs> That'll be it. I'm a CEO now. Go bury that one. <laughs> Although I have to admit, diamond formation option, very very cool. Yeah, there was uh, there were some things to like about that. I the thing that I was most curious today about is can nebraska devise an offense that works for logan smothers and they did they, they did you know mission accomplished. i don't know how sustainable that it's, one yeah, is but. It, it's totally unsustainable yeah. I'd like here you know we'll we'll talk about that as we go on throughout the show but but for the game, was yeah. it enough to win you the game today yeah it, it was um but you were special teams again <laughs> and you know continually put in bad spots by by not finishing off. i mean look i mean you're fine with taking touchdowns for field goals the entire game, but I was fine with it too because they know they're going to – like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Imagine that feeling, Bach. Imagine the level of peace and comfort that Kirk Ferentz must have down 21-9 to in the fourth quarter against his biggest rival in their stadium. And he's probably sitting over there like, well, this is weird. Why haven't we done? Why haven't we done the thing that flips the game yet? It's got to be coming soon. Yeah, right. And it happened. He's an expert at it. I mean, it's not just Nebraska. It's, he it's does getting this late, too. though. There's it is. It felt like it was. It's getting late. But that didn't defer him from cutting a two-possession game down to a two-possession game with a field goal. <laughs> uh, and it worked. They Again, don't care. It worked. They don't care. And somehow, even with a safety, they end up with twenty-eight points. That's Iowa football for you. Yep. They just don't care. Four field goals, five field goals. <laughs> Is that how many they had to do? That, that kicker was nails. Oh, yeah. That was really awesome. good. Uh, I heard some talk out of Iowa this week that they, everybody's mad that he didn't end up on the Groza finalist list. Oh, yeah. I agree. Put yeah, him on there. He's up there. He yeah, we like be. that guy. Did he blow kisses after the game? Uh, I didn't see. I don't hope, hmm. Hopefully not. Keith Duncan, <laughs> he went 4-0 against Nebraska. Yeah. It gets worse and worse. This is seven straight to those seven guys. Seven straight. Nebraska has lost seven times in a row to Iowa. Nebraska has now lost nine games for the first time since 1957. Ugh. 1957. I believe uh, Bill Jennings was oh, yeah. the coach back then. Bill Jennings, Brian? Well, he said. Oh, that's a different, nah, that's a different guy. <laughs> okay. I think uh, he was the guy who was credited with setting up Bob Devaney for all of his success. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all the recruiting he did to help Bob out. Uh, text line, Happer, please read my comment. Why do I do this? <laughs> I don't know. 
Why does anybody do this? It's frustrating. I, like, frustrating is not even the word for it anymore. I, I, you know. Not that one. I wonder, you know, I wonder if that's the up there with the biggest comeback in Iowa football history. That's like the team yeah. designed not to come back on you. Like, there's no way. They, they have to play in front of you. Right. And they didn't. They didn't <laughs> and somehow they, didn't they came back. For, for, for 45 minutes. And for more than that. I mean, Nebraska is still in control, twenty-one to sixteen. I think but. Logan Smothers might have been the best quarterback in that game. Yeah, <laughs> not, not that I, I was, mean, Petrus didn't do anything. Not really. They had to take out Padilla. Yeah, he, he probably was. I just yeah. there are no words. How do you? Yeah, there's really nothing. There are there. no words. Turd Ferguson said, "Sad is the word." I don't know. I, it's mostly con- I like. I, I don't know what my emotion is today. It's probably I'm, I'm mostly. Like maniacal laughing, you yeah. know, it's just like, ha, 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 like the sickos guy in the window, and he's like, ha, ha, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy it, but it's like it's happening again, so this is the show that I get today. Yeah, and again, not not everything on the line. I don't know if I'd be too sad about not going 4-8. and eight. Sad already happened a long time ago when mm-hmm. the realization that it was getting there, but 3-9, and nine, um, I mean, when you when you take a step back from it, that is sad. And then 3-9 and nine and, and bringing that coach back to save some money, you know, that could probably be described as sad. And I don't, I just don't know. You know, you might feel differently about Frost long-term than I do. Um, I, I, I'm kind of excited to see it. I think it's interesting. So I'm excited to at least watch it play out, but this can only happen so many times before you think, man, maybe somebody could clean some of this stuff up. And it's been four years for under these guys. It doesn't seem like it's undo. It's not doable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's doable. The problems that, that face Nebraska are fixable. But is he the guy to fix them? They've been kind of consistent throughout yeah. his tenure. They, they've been, you know, they've been created by him. He can't fix them. Yeah. As of right now, so they have to go into an off season wondering um, if they can clean some of that stuff up. All right, four zero two four six four five six eight five. Want to hear from you guys? It's the Husker After Party Post Game Show, which is brought to you by Southeast Community College and End Street Drive In. This is mercifully the last Husker After Party Post Game Show. So we'd like to thank. Southeast Community College and Street Drive-In for being with us all season. Let's fire up the last one here with John on the Hot of Lincoln Hotline. Hi, John. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, I thought Logan Smothers played well. Um, you know, he threw that bad, bad pick. But this, this, the offense sputtered a little bit in the fourth quarter. But, again, it was bad special teams. The line blocking, I mean, it's. I, the the defense wasn't as sharp today as it had been for most for most of the season. It was just a lot of uh, just a typical game. This one probably hurts worse than most because we were actually winning the game. I mean, it's it's a microcosm of the whole season, like every game has been. Yep. We can't stay out of our own way. Iowa didn't beat us. We beat ourselves again. As is tradition. So I got my... my (laughs) Forever and ever, amen. (laughs) That's right. John, (laughs) thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Logan. I thought he was fine. They they devised a plan that um, mostly worked for him. Obviously, he's not going to be the quarterback that you want on the field compared to Adrian Martinez when you are down by a touchdown with two minutes to go. 
History says Adrian might not be that guy either. Uh, still, <laughs> Logan's not that guy either. <laughs> I was at least interested to see something different. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, his his toolbox isn't necessarily right. right for so that. you gotta, you know, you have to have game script on your side. It goes to your point, Bach. Is it a sustainable deal? No, I don't think so. I'll I'll just flat yeah. out say no today. Um, but they they devised a game plan that that worked for him today. And look, I mean. There's no unless you are full on running the triple option offense, which I don't know is an option for Nebraska. Um, you're running your quarterback 24 times a game and ain't gonna help. I mean, this you can't do it over a, especially he's over not, any he's period of big. time. Yeah, you can't do it over any period of yeah. time. That's another guy with an injury history from high school. Like if you're loading him up for 25 carries or 20 <laughs> carries a game, I mean he's gonna be hurt in three games. So, um, you know, you you were able to to patchwork a plan together that I thought worked for him and and he looked comfortable within that plan but once start stuff started getting shaky and Nebraska wasn't in control it um you know it, it got away from him and and that was kind of what you were worried about today it, credit them they Nebraska got off to a a nice start um and they you know had a 21 to 6 lead in a 21 to 9 lead in the fourth quarter you're Force it. I mean, say what you want about the defense. I thought they were getting pushed around a little bit. Um, obviously, you missed with that. You, you missed Damian Daniels in the middle there. Yeah. I think it's kind of noticeable. They had like three opportunities to get a pick and just couldn't land. Three any opportunities of them. to get a pick, but when when they got down into the red zone half down there, so Nebraska was opportunistic enough, I suppose, on defense, and you know that that was it looked like it was going to be enough to get the job done today. But you could, I, and and like I said before the game, I thought these two teams were just about even. Um, Maybe Iowa was a little better in the offense-defense category. Um, at, le- at least they were in the second half. But Nebraska took control, got a couple breaks, but they couldn't over-team, overcome their horrible, horrible special teams. Yeah, and to the defense's credit, again, a safety given up, a, a punt return touchdown. So, you know, you're, you're you're going back, you know, 15 points, whatever they gave up, I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just the math that you have to continue to add up uh, for the defense of – it's it's every it's almost every game. But for the season, I, I think it would – I don't want to credit the wrong guy. Someone from the World, World Herald tweeted out, it's like 43 points on the year that the defense hasn't given up that's been counted against them. After yeah. today, I mean, yeah. and I believe it. You know, it's it's that's direct. I mean, that that yeah. doesn't even count the offense putting them in bad spots. Oh and, yeah, and the special teams putting them in bad spots and whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's a rough one, and and and, and but I I do think Logan played good. I I I it, you get you know he's like seven of seven in the first half. So once you get kind of those perfect completion percentage and things are rolling, people get pretty excited about it. Um, but he went from he's the future to maybe you need to look for the transfer portal uh, pretty quickly there. Um, and, and again, I I think he played pretty well for what he was asked to do and for what he should have been expected to do. But he didn't really necessarily rise above to the point that you go that's the future and there's no denying it. You know, unless, sort of thing. Hey, look, unless they hire Jeff Monken as their offensive coordinator and just run the option. I'd be completely on board for it, that. It, now, I actually thought of, I, I thought a long time about this today, way too long. I, I took it very, you know, it's a joke, but I took it very seriously for about 10 to 15 minutes in my head, and I played it out. Is there a scenario, <laughs> we're on the official crackpot postgame show, by the way, <laughs> is there a scenario where Nebraska just runs the triple option next year, scratches out six wins with Logan Smothers as their quarterback, 
goes to a bowl game and like okay you know we we're, we got some, you know it's it's because it's kind of a rebuilding year yeah I suppose for Nebraska but they could do that with the schedule that they that they have and then you know you run a totally different offense or something like that <laughs> just in a one year triple option yeah. offense yeah sure that'd be pretty sweet yeah stopgap <laughs> stopgap coordinator yeah <laughs> that'd be really nice yeah that would show you that you definitely don't have a long term plan <laughs> well. Do they? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not all, all, ultimately too excited about this whole experiment because you're putting so much pressure to win in year one. You know, not year one, year five, year but year five, one AK, of your new one. experiment. Yeah. And I don't know if that's great for long term building. I know a lot of people want to say they're close, and, and they are. I mean, when you're close against Ohio State uh, and Oklahoma and, and Michigan, I mean, all those, I mean, they, they, they can put a product on the field, but it, it almost goes back to where you were with Bo, where it was like, they're close. They need that somebody else to get them over the edge. And I and that's kind of where you, you start to think about with, with Coach Frost. And, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm very fascinated to see the offensive coordinator hire um, or some of the other hires they bring in. Are they former head coaches? Are they going to kind of play that role just on the staff and, and help Frost kind of get to his spot as the CEO? But I just have never been – I've never really understood why Frost as a CEO is a great plan. That yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Yeah, he hasn't shown those qualities. Really, yeah, but you know, he's it's just like a. It's just like well, it didn't work for him to call plays, so let's find something for him to do. That's that's not a plan. Four zero two four six four five six eight five. Join the Husker after party post game show at that number on the Honda Licking Hotline and on the Sarter Hammond text line. Also, find us streaming video on the Sarter Hammond Jewelers video stream, which you could find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch at ninety three seven. The ticket. We go back to the phones. Johnny Laredo. Hey, it's been a long time, Johnny. How are you? Hey, thanks. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, uh, again, just a great show. Um, uh, my son is out in western Nebraska, and he uh, listens to the morning edition with Sip and uh, Jake. And uh, he said to say hi to everybody at the ticket. He sure misses the show. So Yeah, appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, listen, I, I think you guys are on to something um, in, in your last few comments, talking about the long-term projection of this program, um, how that uh, – how that's going to look in uh, uh, year uh, one to three. And uh, I just read an interesting article on the Husker board rivals. And um, there's an article there that's pretty good if anybody wants to reference it. Um, and uh, the outlook, uh, given the transfer portal this year, going forward into years two and three on the roster, doesn't speak good as to the talent level. So uh, with regard to Frost extension, I think we just uh, kind of bought us a year. That's my, that's my thought. I think we bought us a year, but not really. Um, I guess my other thought is, um, why is it that we bought us a year? Uh, well, I think it was basically to just uh, save some money and, of course, uh, not create a panic situation uh, on the roster. Um, but most importantly, I think uh, – it was due to the fact that, uh, uh, well, if you look at how this roster was completely mismanaged for four years, you look at the youngsters that are on the field today, they actually performed pretty well. But where were they last year? Uh, same way with Smothers. I mean, you got to give some of these kids credit. They were basically thrown into the fray. And uh, they, a lot of them just don't have 
a lot of really good game experience. So it all comes down to just horrible mismanagement by the coaching staff in lieu of uh, player development, including special teams, uh, offensive line. They just did an abysmal job. Uh, and that, of course, lies at the feet of Scott Frost. I hate to say it, but I yep. uh, hate to keep punching the guy, but, you know, uh, things aren't looking good. Uh, I'd just like you guys to follow up a little bit more uh, on, again, your projections going forward, uh, especially in lieu of that uh, uh, transfer portal. So Absolutely. Uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, I know you guys are on top of this. You know, the circus is filling down. So, um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah. thanks for your th- thanks for the programming, guys. Yeah, thanks, Thank Johnny. You. Appreciate it. Yeah, the the circus um, still in town at at the moment. Yeah, or I don't know the it, what we call pain. I suppose. Yeah, that's just the circus. Look, man. Um, the the reason that we got for why Scott Frost wasn't fired a couple weeks ago was pretty vague. But it basically came to, well, when it's close, we're going to side with the loyalty part. That's what Trev Albert said. He's he's said it, you know, a couple times since. Yeah. Um, so that tells you a couple things. We didn't we didn't really unpack this yet. Um, number one, that it was close, and all that, and and if it's close, all factors matter, including the money, which got pared down after next year his buyout currently is 20 million dollars nebraska has to pay him 20 million dollars if they're going to fire him today they don't want to do that nobody wants to do that but they made it so in his contract if they fire him after next year it's seven and a half million dollars where it would have been 15 they cut that buyout in half so in essence i don't think it's unfair to say that they, you know, they cited on loyalty and they, they, they want to give it a chance. And, and and it goes without saying that they want Scott Frost to work here. But here are the facts. I mean, it doesn't feel great right now. And you're walking yourself into a one-year tryout situation. The long-term prospects don't look great no matter what. You're trying to cross your fingers that you can get to whatever made-up metrics that you can get to next year. And if they fire him after next year, which I currently view as the most likely scenario, oh yeah, you will have saved twelve and a half million dollars, and yeah. that—that's, you know, that's the facts of it right now. And sometimes, though, too, if it, it's it's not just if it's close, but it's it's kind of how who you've been rubbing elbows with, and who do you think you can get next, right? Trev just kind of took over this AD job. Has he had enough time to get the guy? Not flirt with some big name hires to get the guy. Because we've been arguing for years about firing Frank Solage and Bo Pelini. When the the problem isn't firing them, it's bringing in Bill Callahan and bringing in Mike Riley. Those you couldn't, you just you can't. If you follow Frost with another Riley. You will bury this program again. I mean, you need to get the next hire. Absolutely correct. So I think I think more than anything, it was about saving money, but it was also about the timing. But I mean, you got to look at the college football landscape right now. It's crazy. USC, Florida, and Texas are open, and everybody who is a potential fill-in for that spot is getting mega, mega deals with incredible buyouts wherever they're going. If those schools can't get the top names on the market. How's Nebraska? Nebraska's not very attractive compared to those schools, especially now. How's Nebraska going to get those guys? It's 
it's going to be tough to make when you make that move. I don't think you're going to be a hottest team in the market no. and you're not going to get the guys that, you know, traditionally we've talked about. There's not going to be a whole lot of Jim Tressel talk around here or for in this case, you know, Dave Aranda's. Those guys are all signing incredible. Like every school now is making sure to keep their prize possession. Yeah. And so you just got, got to wait till you get one of your own. But we didn't think going into this year, let's use Dave Aranda as an example. We didn't think this year that Dave Aranda was going to be in that situation, that Baylor was going to have to be forking it over to keep Dave Aranda in, in town. His first year didn't go well right. last year. And, and they changed some things up and they've had a bit of a resurgence. And now all of a sudden, you know, he becomes a hot name. Basically what I'm saying is you don't need a big name for it to work. No. It doesn't have to be a big name. Nebraska needs a a, a good football coach, um, and I they're going to give Scott Frost one more chance to be that good football coach. But it goes without saying, a lot of things need to change. The reason why today is so depressing and sad and almost you know weirdly comical in a way is because all of these games have been the same. Nothing has changed over the last four years. In fact, in some in a lot of areas, it is regressed. It has gotten worse. So that's not necessarily the sign of a, of a program that knows where it's headed or is that or that is coached well or that develops well or anything like that. So um, they're going to have to – it's a panic button deal. Like, they, they have to change up a lot of things. The roster is going to be in flux, as Johnny Laredo mentioned. <laughs> um, the roster is probably worse next year, right? You're losing yeah. – I mean, you needed yeah. – it's just comical the way that you could set it up, right? They needed they needed a world pandemic to be able to put together a senior group that could put together their best team, which went three and nine. I mean, that's quite possibly what just happened, and uh, it's 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 not looking good. The front seven, I think, the future of that looks pretty good. The offensive line, obviously, is a huge question mark. You know, Jacquez Yant flashes here and there. But as far as, like, here's the things you can definitely build on going into next year. I mean, I like the front seven, but it's it's not like 19, you know, it's not 2009 or anything. It's, it's, it's a solid front seven. And uh, that's what we're sitting on that's this about, That's about. And most that's of those it. guys who created the solid front are not going to be back. Yeah, they might some not of be, them a lot of them. All right, 402-464-5685. Yeah, we're, there's plenty still to unpack in, in that entire thing, but thanks for the call, Johnny. Appreciate it. Um, let's go back to the phones. Drumstick's on the line. Hello, Drumstick. Hey, guys. Uh, man, this is a tough one to swallow. Uh, I mean, I think it's criminal, the play calling in the second half. I mean, it's absolutely criminal, especially how the offensive line, in my opinion, was bullying Iowa's defensive line the whole first half, and then Jacquez Yant, was, he was getting four yards a pop, and then you got Brody Belt. I mean, he looked great today, too. He was getting three, five yards a pop, and then second half, here we go. We're just – it's like the same deal over and over again. And then what happened to the option, I don't – I have no idea. Well, uh, Iowa, Iowa did a good job in the second half of, of taking that away. That, that's one of the – it's one of the hallmarks of kind of what they do. What, whatever your thing is that day, whatever your your twist is, Iowa did a good job of taking that away. I'll credit them there. Well, and then, um, I mean, Logan Smothers, man, he I thought he played really great today. I thought Cam Jurgens played really, really great. He was getting really good push off the ball. I, I mean, if you go back and look at that game, I mean, 
in my opinion, I think the offensive line is bullying their defensive line. And to go away from that game script, Frost is criminal. To put Smothers in situations like these is criminal. It's basically stealing. I mean, I, it's stealing from the fan base. It's stealing from the players that played hard all year. Never quit on you, Frost. And, yeah, I mean, this this is the toughest loss, I think, since the 2009 Big 12 championship game because we, we had them dead to rights. We were playing fantastic football, and, like, I don't know. This, this one's tough. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I feel the same I'll, way. I'll, I'll get off the phone. hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we did. Thanks, Drumstick. Appreciate it. Um, hope you did as well. 402-464-5685. So l- let's just go back to the, the positions part the that Drumstick was talking about. So, I mean, this really becomes a football game when Iowa blocks the punt. Right, and right. takes it back and yeah. scores. And Rask is up twenty-one to nine. Like, it's great. All the stuff they did to get—they got a few breaks. The offense is moving up and you know up the, up the field. You know, getting enough touchdowns, and the defense was bowing up when it needed to, or getting a break as far as the, you know, that that th- the touchdown they had overturned. By the way, oh yeah. If that guy if Padilla makes a better throw, like it, we're not even talking about it. That's, right. That's a touchdown. It might be a, been a completely different game, but that's part of it. You get a break. Fourth quarter. Nebraska goes to punt down twenty-one to sixteen, or up, or up. I'm sorry, up twenty-one to nine, and has it blocked and taken back on him. Their next series was the one where they had the safety. <laughs> yeah, of course, because naturally you're up. You're up twenty-one to sixteen, and the very next series, and I don't know where the kick went out to. Um, let's. I started on the. Uh, it started on this on the seven. Yeah, because Iowa had a chance to capitalize after the, and they didn't, right? Because Iowa, well, okay, this is right when Nebraska got the ball. This is right immediately after the the block kick. Oh, okay. So I don't know how it started on the seven. They must have had some stupid penalty or something like that that I didn't yeah. even realize happened. And then safetyed immediately. So <laughs> <laughs> because they're running like a double play action set in the end zone, long developing plays. Yeah. In the end zone. Awful play call. Uh, Tommy Gunn says, no, that's not true. We fumbled. I'm looking at the drive chart. It's hard to tell. Oh, okay. So I, I think this is right. So the end of the third quarter, the, the punt gets blocked, or the start of the fourth quarter, the punt gets blocked. They take it back. Then they fumble. Then, then Nebraska fumbles after their four plays. And then on the next one, they safety it. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> you just got to piece together the breakdown one way or the other. Here was Nebraska's drives in the in the second half. Um, touchdown on one of their, you know, Logan Smothers, the three touchdown drives they had today were like probably three of their best drives of the year. We talk on this postgame show a lot about how they're not able to put long touchdown scoring drives together. Yeah. Like if they might have a long drive, but it won't be capped off by a score or or they'll just have something else happen in the in-between. The touchdown scoring drives today, 12 for 75, 13 for 75, and 9 for 94. That was a big one, yeah. That, w- that was at the start of the third quarter um, coming off of an Iowa fumble. And then your remainder, y- your last five drives were this. Punt, fumble, safety, punt, interception. <laughs> and one of those punts was returned for the touchdown. And one of the punt, one of the punt was blocked for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, man. I want to hear what that, that last interception, too. 
they didn't do a good job of showing at all what Logan was looking at because there's nobody in the area. So I kind of wonder if it was a, a miscommunication on a route Had or something. Been. But, uh, yeah, they, they didn't do a good, good job reviewing that, at least where we were. And we were also upset and not listening to them to begin with because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was over at that Thank point. Thank you guys for the text line. Yes, Oliver Martin caught a fair catch at the 7. I remember that, yeah. Uh, let's go to Froff here on the Honda Flicking Hotline. Hey, Froff. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Um, I'm sad. I'll make this short. I feel bad for you guys because I did the math like 270 days until our next game. But the way I figure it's probably 560 games until the next game I'm going to be excited for. (laughs) Um, I mean, you guys touched on it. Not a lot is going to be changed by having an OC come in to uh, do anything different when game management uh, continues to fail. I don't know if you guys listened to Bustin' the Boys with the boys with Bo Pelini on it, but uh, Will Compton said to Bo he wishes Bo could have maintained composure in the big parts of the late games. I feel like that's what happens with Frost every game is loses composure and then everything else is out the window. Uh, I mean, makes me sad. Regardless, I saw this game for the ninth time this season. I'm really sad, but... I also currently am at Keystone uh, Ski Resort, so I'm going to go hit the slope. <laughs> best, best of luck for you guys the rest of the show, all right? Thank you, Froff. Thank you. Appreciate it. Froff from the mountains. <laughs> it's not a bad place to, to follow up the game with. Yeah. So that's probably. I think a lot more people are having other plans than just the Husker game on Husker game days. But I have to do give, give it, tip of the hat to the crowd uh, for showing up, being loud, and, and bothering Kirk Ferentz even. Um, so. <laughs> It's probably longer than and that. And four. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the crowd was good. The ticket price was crazy. I think a lot of Iowa people were driving that up by coming into the coming into Lincoln. But, nevertheless, um, the, the Husker fan base always deserves a tip of the cap for what they what what they do, especially for these home games. A little, a little disappointed in Madison. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's more on the Badgers fans. But also, if, if Nebraska had a great product. I mean, the, 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 the athletic department threw these two games away a few weeks ago. That's what I've be really interested in if what if the, what if they didn't say hey we're giving we're gonna wait till the end of the season to make our decision and if they had said that today yeah and if, if they had said that it would be really really hard to convince husker fans that that wasn't it yeah just be super awkward yeah just feel like everything you're fighting for your life on on every single play man yeah you're right we I, we probably avoided a good piece of drama with that actually so yeah, you did, but I don't know if you made the right decision long term. Right. We'll still see on that. But four zero two four six four five six eight five. All right, we got to take our first break here. So uh, Tony and Steve, hang on. If you guys want to join, you can line up four zero two four six four five six eight five. The Honda Lincoln Hotline in the Sarder Hammond text line. The Husker After Party Post Game Show brought to you by Southeast Community College and N Street Drive In. Connor Happer, Jake Bachoven with you. In we return next. Back to the Husker After Party postgame show. Brought to you by Southeast Community College on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Connor Happer, Jake Bachoven back with you on the Husker After Party postgame show, the final edition of uh, the Husker After Party postgame show here in 2021. Like I said earlier, mercifully. Iowa beats Nebraska for the seventh straight time, 28-21. Give us a call on the Honda Licking Hotline, 402-464-5685. We will get immediately to Tony. Tony, thanks for holding. Go ahead. 
Hey guys. Uh, so first of all, I got a PSA for all the listeners. Um, you guys have to say so many times how you're doing because everybody's like, Hey, how are you doing guys? And you always say it. I don't know. I'm sure that probably gets uh, annoying at some point. So I just want to say, I hope you're well, I hope you're having a good time and I don't need you to tell me that because you've already said it. Thank you. Tony. Um, That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to look out for you guys. Um, cause you're awesome. But anyway, um, me and my friend Dylan were at the game. Uh, we were at the Iowa City game uh, whenever we last beat them, so we thought maybe if we went today, we'd, we'd defeat the curse, break the curse, whatever. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. Um, but things that we saw that were really frustrating, the game plan was working. Triple option was, was effective. We were moving the ball. I mean, there were two drives that only netted 11 yards between the first two scoring drives. But, like, we were effectively moving the ball, scoring – we had a good lead. Um, I don't know why we abandoned that. I mean, I get there was a fumble, but you don't abandon your entire game plan over that. Uh, obviously, our special team is terrible, blocked punt, whatever. Um, but let's just talk about the number of times that calls hurt us and ended up benefiting Iowa significantly, or non-calls, rather, because there was should have been a, a probably unnecessary roughness play right before that blocked punt. Um, when an Iowa player, uh, you know, in a secondary act, threw a Nebraska player while they were clearly out of bounds and right in front of an official, no call turns into a block punt for six. Uh, there was um, a very egregious roughing the passer, no call um, there on that last drive against that uh, should have been called. Smothers got rammed down. Um, several things. So, like, you know, Thanksgiving was yesterday. I just like to go over my list of things I'm not thankful for today, and that's Iowa, Big Ten officiating, Iowa, Iowa fans in Iowa. Also, I'm I'm not in Keystone, Colorado, so I'm really envious of the guy who called before me, and I hope he's having a great time, but I also hope he's sad a little bit out there. <laughs> Tony, anyway, great, great you call. you guys have a great night. Yes, yeah. thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Good stuff there. Uh, I think we have a similar thankful thankfulness list. Um Let's go to the uh, let's go to the calls first. I I don't know I, you know I thought that they probably got a a fifty fifty or better one there on that last drive with with Toure, um, and then on the play before that that they had just got done reviewing. I was like, well, that could have been a catch too. Yeah. So I you know I I kind of I'm not gonna go to that today. No, and Iowa has their own complaints too. They thought uh, they, a lot of the fans the at halftime touchdown. thought Dismuke should have been uh, taken out for the tar- oh, for yeah. a targeting that wasn't called. Uh, we're, we're upset. We're pretty upset with Ty Robinson, uh, who was just a man beast out there today, yeah, he was blowing up everybody. Um, but they thought that he should have been, you know, his targeting. But that wasn't targeting, so I shouldn't count that one. But yeah, especially the overturned touchdown right away. Um, so I mean. There's always missed calls. You always kind of focus on your team's missed calls. But at the same time, I don't want to co- totally discredit it because Big Ten officiating is pretty bad. Oh, it's it, bad. And inconsistent. It's just bad all around. Yeah. I don't know that it was worse for one side or the other today. No, um, I don't think so. As far as the going away from the option thing, I don't know, man. I, I might push back on that, too, because I just, I just think Iowa really figured it out. I mean, they, they obviously weren't, um, you know – we're getting some different of a look than what they were prepared for. And Nebraska was taking advantage of it in the first half and give Nebraska credit. Like they finished off all those drives in the first half in the first one in the, in the second half, they had a couple more, you know, bursty explosive plays on that, on that 94 yard drive to start the third quarter, which was huge. 
And then uh, Iowa really shut it down. Uh, they stayed at home on that stuff. They had guys covering the pitch. And, and what they do, I, I'm not a, enough of a football genius to to figure that out. But I kind of thought that that would happen. That Iowa usually has an answer to the to the number one thing you're doing. It's it's a well coached group, and it's especially a well coached defensive unit. So at that point, up 21 to six in the second half, I'm thinking to myself, all right, and, and it's not the right way, but this it's the only way today we got to just hang on here find find a way to hang on extend a couple drives maybe you're not going to score another touchdown but extend a couple drives make them last longer and take more time off the clock and whatever you do don't screw up on special teams and don't turn the ball over nebraska did both in the second half leading to iowa's comeback that was it i mean i like and people will call that coaching scared or thinking about it scared or whatever. That that was their path to winning that game. They just had to hang on as much as they could in the second half, and, and they couldn't do it. And, of course, they have a history of, of blowing these things up and messing up, so maybe that kind of went to their decision not to be too aggressive there. But even when they were trying to be aggressive – you know, I you got again give Iowa credit for their defense and what they did out there. That's one of the best defenses in the nation. You know, Nebraska was relegated to throwing sideline routes. That's why we had a ten minute, two minute drill with a bunch of reveal views and you know dump downs to Brody Belt. Um, so I mean, it it was you got to give them credit too. I do. I mean, I would have maybe liked to seen uh, a little bit more option and, and stuff that was working from the first half. But you know, they you, you, I thought they were bottling up. They really, really couldn't well. get yeah. out of their own way, though. I mean, so yeah. you, you didn't have enough of a drive. Like <laughs> it looks good when you're having a long sustained drive. And after that first that's, one, that's true, Bach. They didn't have. I mean, their their drives after the kick after the punt was blocked were the one where they fumbled four plays. They fumbled on the fourth play. The safety, which they fumbled on, or they safetyed on the second play, and then a three and out. Yeah, they just didn't. Ha- There's not a whole lot of plays yeah. to get a rhythm of anything. Going like I said, there. just get get one or two first downs in that stretch, and per- we're probably talking about a different deal here. And they they couldn't extend anything. However, however, they had to do it. When I see different people saying that, that for a lot of things, those three interceptions that Nebraska had, <laughs> that could have switched the ball game. Anything could have switched the ball game. It's another one possession ball game yeah. where any little thing could change it. But the same result happens that Nebraska loses again. A little bit different in that Nebraska had a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter, um, and that. That hasn't been the case this year, but uh, you know, kind of just playing right into uh, the Iowa's ball game. Their game plan is wait for you to screw up, and they did. And 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 you know, it's, they screwed it, up. All right, it was. I mean, I don't. That's that should be a, a quarter of Nebraska fans' nightmares. I mean, if you ever want, I mean, that was one of the worst quarters in Nebraska football history. You'd have to think. Just walking. This is the nightmare. You're just walking down the street. And you're like, oh wow, what a great day. And then you just like, there's a black hole that you fall into, or you just trip and you land on your teeth, and your teeth explode or something like that. <laughs> that's what the nightmare is. Basically, what's happened to Nebraska football. Back to the phones. Uh, we have Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It's a ticket for putting people on so they don't blow a gasket at home over all these close games. And you guys, for putting them on, you know, the Homer stations won't put any of us on. So it's glad that some outlet will let us do it. Anyhow, I'd just like to make a couple of statements. You know, it. we go in at halftime, we got all the momentum, we got the lead. And how many times has this come out, this team came out in the second half and just laid an egg? They just think, oh, just keep things going like they are. We're doing fine. It, it isn't just this game. They've done this multiple times. Just keep it going like it is. What does Iowa do? They make adjustments at halftime. That's why they shut down the option. They saw what was happening. 
they said, well, we're going to shut down the option. We'll, we'll make them beat us another way. But we, we just think well, we're just going to keep running the same thing. We're not going to be able to figure it out. Yeah, the other teams have coaches. They know how to shut plays down. And that's, you know, another third quarter where we didn't do nothing, you know, basically. The fourth quarter where we just stammered around is just make make adjustments. I realize they wanted to limit the, you know, probably the plays for Smother because he didn't have that much experience. But you still got to have a plan if they shut down what was working in the first half. You have to have a plan for the second half that they haven't seen. You've got to show them something different. You just can't keep doing the same thing every time. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's it's irritating to watch. But anyhow, guys, thanks for all year, and thanks for putting people on the air. Yeah, appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for the call. Um, thanks for holding as well, 402-464-5685. I don't know, man. Like, there was no reason for Nebraska to go in at halftime and, like, say, hey, you know, we got to do something drastically different here in order to score again. And, by the way, they came out and had their – had a great drive um, in the third quarter, their their first drive yeah. of the third quarter, uh, where they got the ball off an Iowa fumble and had a nine-play, 94-yard, four-minute and 18-second drive. And it's their best drive all year. And, and they put that thing together. They pieced a couple chunk plays with it, and they did some of the stuff that was working in the first half. And at that point, you're up 21-6, to six, and it's just like, I know – and, and at that point, Iowa kind of, you know, figured it out, right? They got to that point where they could stop the option and, and all that stuff. But like I said, maybe it's maybe it's not as aggressive as you want it to be, but in that situation, the only thing that Nebraska couldn't afford to do was screw up. They just they, like, they had to do everything they could to not screw up. And um, whatever, you know, mental attitude goes into that, they you know, they, they weren't able to hold on to it. That's why I guess the credence to the caller that said, you know, that maybe it is, you know, Frost on the sideline going back to the Pelini days. I don't I don't know. I never really see Frost blowing up and the team losing it. But you did have the report from Rick Pizzo on the sideline. Um, I think after the block punt, he said it was okay. He didn't see anybody downtrodden. But after the fumble, they came over to the sideline. And he said you could kind of feel the it's happening again type of scenario playing out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that time, I think Nebraska still had the lead. So, I mean, I, I think that there is something that, that you can only – I mean, guys, this is tough for us, but again, those players, go back to what Saban said the other day, those players want to win more than anybody, and they're giving it their all, and they're trying everything they can. Uh, and and we, we as a fan going through this season think there's only so much I can take. But for those players, I mean, doubt's got to start creeping into your head when it is happening again. And, and you know, you've been through this so many times and you just can never cross the finish line. You can never quite get it done. And, you know, it's just the same feeling all the time. So it wouldn't be so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that is something that they're going to have to get over. And we keep talking about this culture here in Nebraska. How it's getting better under Scott Frost. At least that's what you hear from the program. And you can kind of see it, you know, I, I, I can I can believe in it. But the problem always with the culture argument is not whether guys like each other and play for each other, because that's happening. You can see that it's the winning culture. These guys, it, and I'm not saying, like, there's a lot of talk about Adrian's still a winner off the field. Yeah, he is. All these guys are winners. I'm not saying anything other than football. They're not winning games. There's no winning culture as far as winning football games. And, you know, I just don't know how much I've never seen a team struggle so much to get over that hump, you know, because usually like in basketball, there's so many games. It's like, OK, well, maybe they learn from that and you kind of get over that narrative. This whole narrative, the whole season is they have to learn how to win the games. How long can it take before for you to learn how to win one of these games? Just one. 
And it's not like all your problems are fixed after the after the no. one happens, but it certainly and that's feels the problem with better. the close argument is yeah. maybe what if you what if you were able to finish half these games and you finish seven and five and you're close to other things right you're still seven and five and close to what that's not the goal yeah like Northwestern has a good culture a good winning culture they're gonna go three and nine yeah you know this year so Nebraska's that that step away and and then they're also the whole execution phase away as well uh, we're. I want to hear from Scott Frost here. We have some clips from him. Um, we'll do that. At, but I want to roll through as much of you guys as we can. 402-464-5685. Get in here on the Husker After Party Post Game Show brought to you by Southeast Community College and N Street Drive-In. Back to the phones. We have Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Mike. Good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks. Hey, you know, um, Trev handled it perfectly. Cut the buyout in half. If he'd have fired him sometime this year, I think the fan base would have been fractured. So next year it's win or he's gone, and I don't know how anyone could feel any differently if we have to let him go at that point. So I'm not going to discuss that, but i got to tell you, special teams is a clown show, an absolute clown show, and it hasn't changed in four years. You know, if we got a punter and he shanks one, well, we'll try the second punter, and he does it till he shanks one. Then we'll try a third punter and a fourth punter. And the same way with kickers, you know, miss a couple field goals, we'll try this guy. It's just a revolving door. And I get tired of being fed that line of, well, it's not the scheme, it's the specialist. Well, to me, when we haven't, you know, if we feel the punt, we think that's success. Yeah. Much less if we return one for four yards, we're ready to have a parade down O Street. So I don't want to hear that, you know, who recruits the specialist? The coaching staff. Who develops them? The coaching staff. So saying the specialists in year four are the problem, not the scheme, I, that that I find very upsetting. Yeah, Thanks right. a lot, guys. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. It, that's It's a great point at the end brought up there. Like, Regardless of if you th- – and by the way, he's right. It's not just the specialists, right, clearly. I mean, they had a block punt yeah. taken back for a touchdown today, and they've had – kicks taken back on them they've had punts taken back on them all that has happened this year and each one of those in tough touchdown or less losses for Nebraska this season but even if you are under this impression that it is you know we could just switch a punter out there and we can be fine or we can you know Brandon Frankie will go back there and kick it back through the end zone every time and and we'll be fine and that mostly works even if that is the case like Mike said you still recruit them they're still your guys. They're like you. You put them out there, and your job is to ha- put them in positions to succeed. And you take one out, and you put another guy in. You throw the first guy away. Like I don't. It just. It, it feels like for some reason they're separated. They're off. They're treated separately and different from the team. Yeah. Um. But it's it's all under the same roof. It all operates as one. Um. I don't know. That's that's the feeling that I get occasionally when looking at it. It's like I, I don't know. And that's 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 a specialist deal, right? It's it's sometimes separated, and you can isolate yourself, especially when you when you miss a kick or something like that. But you lose as one, you win as one. And if it is on the specialists or whatever, Nebraska's lost. It doesn't matter because of who they yeah. lost this year. And it always goes back to the head coach, right? But, under his umbrella. But it's clearly not a specialist problem. It's I not. Mean, I mean, I, that's just the case for yeah. it, it also being stupid. Yeah. For, I mean, for that argument is, you know, and it, and it gets weird. Like, Nebraska, even when they do have a good punt, it doesn't get downed 
You know, it's just it's just a mess everywhere. There's once in a while they have a good coverage. They had a good good coverage on a punt early in the first quarter again. Once in a while they they don't screw up and they actually make a play, but it's it's very rare and it's it's just again. I mean, this is how Iowa wins games. They do, they had a kick return for touchdown last week. They this this is they it's not that Nebraska it needs uh, a special times coordinator just to get back to not losing the games that way. You can win games on special teams. That's that's what I'm ashamed of is how yeah. far the bar is dropped to, well, we just we need, need to, to tweak a little things. Yeah, yeah and, and break even. They're not even trying any kick returns whatsoever. They completely gave up on it, and as well they should because they can't coach it. They don't have anybody that's able to get past the 25. It, it's pathetic. And in the, the conference record, by the way, uh, I was just looking up the, the history of Nebraska's conference records. That's 1-7. Finished 1-8, right? Um, yeah, one and eight. That's the worst it's ever been. Um, there's some one and fives in there. There's a oh one and one. So based off winning percentage, nineteen oh nine, they only played one and they at least tied. So, but yeah, that's as bad as it ever gets for a Nebraska conference record. I'd never thought I'd see it. I mean, one and eight. One and eight. I, I mean, three and six is bad. Yeah, there's been some three and sixes mixed in there for. Oh Nebraska. yeah, so the previous and four and eight bad. seasons, they went three and six. It's it. I just I, I never thought I'd see the day, but it, but the, the, that continues into you know you're not really shocked by these things anymore. You used to be surprised. You see, used yeah. to see how far Husker uh, football is. Yeah, fallen, like the, but. the losing stats are always funny because it's just like, well, Nebraska's lost this amount of games when doing this, this, and this, and I'm just like, yeah, well, Nebraska's lost a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your point? We lose every game. Well, and that's the problem too. Is it's not just something like, all right, well. And some a caller mentioned this a few weeks ago as well. Ross isn't very good in road games. Yeah, he's, he's not, not very good in games. He's not very good at home games. He's not very good in conference games. He's not neutral very good in games. one possession games, neutral site games. You well, know, I guess he hasn't had a neutral site game. <laughs> Ireland's still on the table. Wait for Ireland. <laughs> Everybody excited to book their ticket to Ireland next Woo! year to watch the bottom of the Big Ten West? Woo! Back to the phones. It's Jeff. Hi, Jeff. What's going on, guys? Hi, Jeff. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> it's, thank a, you again it's okay. For the show, um, I think that anybody that's blaming the refs is crazy because this is the one game that I actually thought that we got the majority of the calls, especially in the first half. Yeah, they got some breaks too. Half. Yeah, but uh, if you watch the the punt block, nobody blocks. They just all run downfield. It's kind of the trouble of all of our punt returns and everything. We don't block. It's kind of like the basics of football, which we seem to miss out with Ross. Oh, yeah. And uh, it could be sad going forward. But then you talk about everybody saying, oh, they figured out what we did. But, yeah, we came out in the first, you know, first uh, drive of the third quarter and drove it right down their throat. I think that's bull crap. Why didn't we keep doing what we're doing? I would have to go back. We, Jeff. we started throwing on first down, doing the little side things. That's not what he does well. We're up 21-15. And we start throwing the ball. That's typical for us. That's all, you know. We'll get five games next year. That's what it'll be, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not an improvement. Jeff, I'm not terribly optimistic either. And thanks for the call. Let's okay, so let's let's actually look at this then. The 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 drive in question is the one where I guess the the next offensive possession for Nebraska after they had the long touchdown drive. Um, let's see if I can find it in here. So they go. Mm, 
Nebraska's drive starts at his own six. Okay. Um, in that drive, they had a 27-yard pass that they hit. They had a 40-yard pass to Omar Manning and then runs of eight, seven to various Yant or Smothers. So next drive, um, Iowa gets it back. They have to kick a field goal, a 36-yarder, to make it 21-9. to nine. Here's the drive in question. Um, oh, this is the fumble drive. It only, it only takes one one play, I suppose, for Nebraska. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. People are complaining, like, did they go away from the option? I don't know that they necessarily did. I just thought that they weren't able to extend drives. Like late in the game when they were actually down and they were trying to tie it up at the end, yeah, they had to they had to air it out a little bit to get yeah. back in the game. Obviously, not a great position for Logan to be in. I for as for as much as today was a disaster and it was the same as it's always been and all that type of stuff, I am I am not going to go to play calling as my first, you know, as like top three on the list. That's safety. That's my first problem with that one is play calling. <laughs> I mean, there's the safety. There's certain points where I would say that it w- that it hurt you. Um, but it also it's also worth noting too. Nebraska finished with three yards per carry. Um, so it's not like the running game was just steamrolling people and yeah. a sure way to score to begin with. What the you, other thing what is, you needed is just a, a drive that got like one or two first downs. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what you needed, and they weren't able to fall. And Iowa was getting a lot more pressure in the second half, yeah. uh, whether that was with Blitz or just their, their guys beating the offensive line from the get-go, um, and so that kind of affected how th- that was going too for Nebraska. Um, again, I, I think you have to give credit to Iowa there um, for, for their defense, which is one of the best in the nations. It's, what, 36, 37 games in a row without allowing 30 points, and they did it again. They did it again. It sure didn't look like they were going to for No, a while. it didn't. Uh, back to the phones. So I want to take a couple more calls before we get to the top of the hour here. Remember, when we get done on the Husker After Party postgame show, the postgame coverage is not over. Jake and DP are out at Tanner's. Uh, for the ticket post game show for the final time this year as well, so you can either join them down there um, or listen here, and we'll be with them here um, in pretty short order—about a half hour or so. Uh, Nate's on the line. Hey, Nate. How's it going, guys? Good. Hey, um, I'm calling with some positive vibes. All right, uh, let's hear you. I, I believe it's official now. Um, they have run out of ways to make up ways to lose. Hmm. Are we sure? <laughs> Can we confirm that? Well, a source within the program has, has, has tweeted to me. So <laughs> they, they, they have flat run out of ways to lose games because I've, if you guys just do a quick synopsis of each game that has been lost and just, I mean, it's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen or even heard of or could even make up in my worst dreams. Uh, I've I've never seen anything like it. Look, I did. Um, If you had the bingo card, and for some reason a square on there said, you know, double-digit lead against Iowa, I would have said, "Uh, uh, that one's not getting marked off. There is no way." (laughs) And 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 there it was. No, I. That's all I had, guy. Just a positive note. Um, I think they've officially run out of ways to uh, to lose games. So, uh, look forward to next season. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Yes, we're all looking forward to next season. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't put together, I mean, they had a piece together coaching staff, a backup quarterback, and a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter against the top 25 Iowa team. It's it's, you know, we've seen blown leads before, and we've seen games flip on their heads. 
and, and and it's to your biggest rival, and it's them in the way that they go about their business. And it's just not a team that comes back from any sort of deficit. Like it either goes their way, or it doesn't, and they lose. And a lot of the times, it goes their way, and it was discernibly not going their way. Yeah, in the first half, and um, I thought Nebraska had enough cushion. To make it, you know, to 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 finish it out, you know, whether it was going to end twenty-one to nineteen or twenty-one to twenty, but I, I thought they had enough cushion when they were up twenty-one to six. I was like, it's, <laughs> it's actually feeling okay today. And people make fun of me for enjoying watching the Hawkeyes, but I'm telling you, that's how their games go. That's it, it's not always that huge comeback, but it's always they don't look like they're going to win today. They they just they no. just don't have it. it and then last week against Illinois, <laughs> magically they somehow pull out these victories. I think. You know, I think they did outgain Nebraska today, but they they have won four games in conference where they, I think four games total where they were outgained and still won this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to the phones. We have Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey guys. Hey, hey. I love listening to you guys after after the show. And, um, I, I know how to solve all Nebraska's problems. Okay. Um, they just need to go bowling in the off season. And if you give me 30 seconds, I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, Fire away. I remember in the mid-'90s, I was listening to, to Frank Solich on the radio. And he was still an assistant at the time. And I think Osborne had won his first two national championships. And, and the interviewer asked Frank, hey, how is it that you guys you always have better players than the other team? And Frank was like, we don't. And often the other team will have as good, if not better, players. Uh, but what we have is focus. You know, every play, every down, every player, we stress, and, and they're, we're really good with focus, and that's how we win games. Um, and I, I took that to heart, applied it to my own bowling. I read books on it and stuff, and within a month, my average went from 170s to 190s. But I just think that's what's missing with Ross teams over and over again. Those players just lack focus, play in and, and play out. Uh, um, thanks, guys. Man, Bob, uh, I think you nailed it. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. It just it it feels um, oftentimes jumbled. There's a lot of different things going on. You're trying to accomplish different goals. You're worried about stuff that doesn't matter, you know. And and, and maybe some of that got a little bit better this year. Um, and I know Trev Alberts is trying to take a little bit off of Scott Frost's plate and or find ways that where that could be better and and all that stuff but it's not just from that pers- from the macro perspective of like how to run a football team it's the micro and in when plays are getting called and when actually trying to execute your job on the field I totally agree I mean like I'm trying to think of a a, a good example I mean how about how about um Brody Belt like you know just dropping the screen on on the edge there, you yeah. know, like it, that's happened a few times this year. Guys looking ahead, and it happens. Like it, it it happens in sports, um, but oftentimes not to good teams where you, you're looking ahead before you catch the ball, or you try and make a move before you get the ball in your hands, and um, or you get uh, outside of yourself and you're trying to make a play that you don't need to make when the when the honest truth of it, it, it Eric Shander has talked about this a lot and I think it's one thing his defense does really well um, and that's why they maximize at times is it doesn't work unless everybody's in their spot doing their job it's it's not it's not players making plays in spite of everybody else players are allowed to make plays when everybody else is doing their job and when they're put in position to make plays 
and you can't have that and you can't have that without complete and total focus yeah and and you just kind of go back to the word discipline i don't mean running yeah. sta- stadium sure. steps but having yeah. discipline um out there you mean we can make the jokes about being 3 and 9 and the best 3 and 9 team in all time well there was just such a much higher ceiling uh, if this team was more disciplined in those moments, uh, or you know, and I, and I think sometimes too, it's not fair just to lump this team all together. That defense is not a three and nine defense. Um, they they played good this year, you know, and they made some huge steps, and they gave Nebraska a chance to win more often than not. Now they didn't always get the stop, and they're not. I mean, they're like fiftieth in most of the categories. Yeah. They're not fantastic. They're not explosive or anything like they that. They don't create turnovers. I mean, there's still things to work on there, but um, I I I hate just lumping them in because I think that they made a, a big stride and were really the backbone of this team, which is what we expected. I just don't know it was, it was always coached to that way, but um, I, I – Look you at know, guys getting better all over good. the place. Oh, yeah. You know, like Caleb Tanner. Yeah, he looked really good today. It, it, over the last three weeks, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Three games. I think he's been really good for Nebraska. Just steady improvement all the way. I mean, that's just one example of a guy – um, you know, falling into his role when everybody else around him is doing a pretty good job. All right, one more uh, phone call before we hit pause for the hour. We have Scott on the line. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing, guys? Pretty good. Hey, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. All right. Just, uh, hey, I'm confused, man. Like, I'm confused about our identity at, you know, Tusker football. Where are we at? Um, I just feel like uh, our play calling today was – it was atrocious, man. It, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, you know, you run these swing passes against the team who basically baited us into running the swing pass. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. We're, we're, we're so close. Um, you know, and as a, as a lifelong fan, it's frustrating. Um, you know, I don't know what you guys think, but, uh, I just, I just think play calling's killing us, you know, in these one possession games that we've been in time and time and time again, it seems like, uh, you know, we're, we're just out coached every week. Um, you know, we have, we have some, some bad plays here and there, but I think coaching's really, really what's hurting us at the end of the day. And it's, it's frustrating as a fan. Yeah. No doubt about it, Scott. Th- thanks for the call. Appreciate you listening as well. If, I, as far as the identity is concerned, I I mean, it's up for grabs here in the next – however Nebraska football decides to – under Scott Frost decides to reshape itself in the next couple weeks and months here, um, hopefully you land on something. But what do you do well? What, what, what did you do well as a football team this year? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Oftentimes we're talking about, yeah. you know, what's your identity on offense or how does it relate to you winning football games? <laughs> Nebraska just didn't win enough football games, at least at a consistent enough level. Um, I think they had a few explosive plays in their wins this year, and they were good at those when they had Adrian Martinez as their quarterback. And, um, you know, outside of that, there wasn't a lot to lean on. There's not much consistency in that either. Defense was pretty good. But not good enough. Well, and I, I, I'm just more interested in his question of like, where are we at as a program? And that's 
that's what I'm more concerned about is is as you further dive into the deep, deep, dark, uh, you know, realities of a three and nine coming off five straight losing. I mean, all this stuff starts to pack on top of you. And I and I love the Husker fans that you can still talk to and they still are holding the Huskers to that higher standard of getting into nine to ten wins and competing for a division every year because that's where this program should be. Uh, and it's just so far away from that now. I mean, because the call earlier that said, you know, go bowling or whatever, that might be the difference. The, the difference between the 90s teams and these teams are so far apart. Um, the, and I don't expect them to be the 90s. But again, you know, I, I just I just fear this is the third straight offseason. I keep saying it, that you're expecting 500. That you, if you stay in, in that area for too long, it starts to become a program identity to do that sort of thing. No doubt about it. Let's let's get to more of that as we come back. Uh, more of the Husker After Party postgame show is next. Back to the Husker After Party postgame show. Brought to you by Southeast Community College on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Back here in the Husker after party post game show, Connor Happer, Jake Bachoven with you as Nebraska loses to Iowa 28 21. They lost their seventh in a row to Iowa. Um, but this from Dave Revson Nebraska is the, only, is the first team in college football history to lose nine games by single digit margins in the same season. They went 1 8 in the Big Ten. Their combined scoring margin in those games was zero. <laughs> nice. Lost eight games by a grand total of 49 points and then beat Northwestern by 49 points. Thank God for Northwestern. <laughs> That's crazy. That's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. <laughs> it will always be ridiculous. By the way, the streak, uh, the seven-game now seven game losing streak to Iowa breaks its tie as far as losing streaks go. The other team that had a six-game losing streak to? Texas. Oh, no. <laughs> so now I was even worse than the Texas Street. How many times in a row have we lost to Wisconsin? Well, eight. Eight's the, that's the worst okay, one. Okay. Ohio State's also hung seven on you. So <laughs> you've got a, quite a few streaks. Hey, Husker now. fans, who would who do you like losing to the least? Well, <laughs> let's think. I'd say probably Iowa. <laughs> Texas is probably there. Yeah. Well, I really hate Wisconsin. That's right. I don't like Ohio State either. <laughs> and you're telling me we're about all those programs. Oh, and thirty-two in our last thirty-two tries against them. <laughs> That's right. Basically, thirty something like that. Ugh. So, speaking of which, uh, Scott Frost was asked after the game. Um, Nick, Nick, pull up the microphone here. I, w- I want to get the context of this question. So, the the whole close thing. Um, he. You have it written as, does he consider that saying we're close is hurting this team? Yeah, because he was basically asked, um, you've said you're you're close so often. Do you consider the psychological effect on, that can have on the okay. players All right. saying I, you're close I, so many times? I appreciate the premise of the question. Here is the answer. Yeah, I consider the psychology what I talk to the team about every week. And um, – Trying to give them a message, yeah, I, I, but I really don't believe a message on Thursday night is is the key. Um, and I've tried, and I will continue to. Um, really, it, it, it comes special teams and, and a little detail here and there. And we got to do a better job as coaches making sure the details don't get us beat. Uh, we got to do a better job as coaches making sure special teams don't get us beat. Um, and when those things get you over the hump in a game or two, then. 
you know, it's not hoping we're going to win or thinking we're going to win. It's it's knowing we're going to go out and get it done. And um, we got to do a good job of that. It's an awful lot of detail, I think. Maybe maybe underselling the amount of detail that needs to be changed <laughs> or fixed or addressed. And I just don't know. To me, I mean, he's he's out of answers now. You could hear him kind of pause during that. Like he's been out of answers. But yeah, he has always been out of answers for quite some time now. But you know, you could kind of hear him pause there and say, like, I I tried. And then he, you know, he kind of caught himself knowing what the reaction would be to saying that, and said, oh, I will continue to try. And that's just what he has to to keep saying. But you're right. I just I'm not sure if the answers are inside that locker room. I think if the answers were there. You might, you might have, have stumbled across one or yeah, two. Yeah, you might be getting to the getting to that at some point, and and to believe that it all can happen on a one game experiment this next or one season experiment this next year is just quite a belief to be out there. It's gonna be fun though. Maybe the redemption tour will 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 knock off all these streaks here uh, next year, and and we can all eat crow or whatever. But I just don't know. I I, I just like listening in in these post games. Yeah. It's just it's become the same thing too. I mean, it's the same book there. I don't. I mean, I don't know how you could feel great right now going into next season. I, I just don't know how you can. And compare that to the feeling of the beginning of the third quarter. I'm not saying you'd be thinking yeah. Nebraska in a national championship, but if you do win that game somehow, that's why you know people that say these games don't matter. Man, these games can really kind of change. It, it, you yeah. just can't lose all of them, right? You just can't. You can't finish three and nine. You can't have these long losing streaks. You can't have the same episode play out. You can't have all these mistakes. And you know, we know the team was beat up. We know that they're playing with less than their best effort put forward. They, you know, a, a mismatched coaching staff. But that that might even be more damning. There was no Adrian to blame today. There's, you know, all those guys that you fired. It, it didn't do anything to change what has been plaguing this program. The, in the, the long run, it's all the same. Four zero two four six four five six eight five. A couple more calls here. We got Paul on the line. Hey, Paul. Hey guys, how we doing? Pretty good. Yeah. You know, Frost wants the answer of we can't let our special teams lose games for us anymore. He could uh, think about hiring a special teams coach. Maybe he could possibly. consider that. Yes, that would be I a mean, good maybe consideration. Maybe suggest that to him. Hopefully, at some point in time. But uh, you know, you guys made a good point here today. I always say I call in and listen to you guys talk, and it makes me feel better. I was wondering, what are we going to sell to recruits all year? You know, this whole off season. And we can at least tell them we are the greatest three and eight football team in college football history. <laughs> statistically, right? Yeah, statistically, yes. Statistically, we are the greatest. So we've got that going for us. I mean, you can't be too upset with that. I guess my only real thing is, you know, play callings, whatever. I don't think it was the issue. Our offensive line sucks still, they're still bad. <laughs> Hopefully we get a new coach there. That's our issue. Yeah, it's pretty clear if you watch the game. I, I well, they're I, good news. They're favorite. they're getting a new offensive line coach. Can confirm that, and that's that's awesome. Like that <laughs> didn't happen before the year started, honestly. But yeah, other other than we got a lot of young guys. Hopefully they all stay and you know stick it out. Um, I guess I want to know. Maybe you guys talked about this and I missed it, but. You know, other than we got young talent everywhere, I thought Smothers for his first game against the Iowa defense, I didn't think he looked too bad. To me, that he gave me a little hope for next year that maybe we do have something there. You know, he didn't 
he didn't just dominate the game by any means, but when you put him in to get with that off of the line and to do what he did, and I think he, it seemed like he was pretty limited on what they were letting him do as well. For sure. But I don't know. What do you guys think about Smothers today? Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the call. Um, I, You know, I we did say it before, but I, I think that you hit the nail on the head there with I don't know how much he was allowed to do. Um but they devised a good plan for him, and I thought he was a I thought he was a gamer. You know, I thought he was a bulldog. Coaches like to to use that term a lot. Um, for whatever reason, they got a bunch of quarterbacks, um, you, you know, or at least the two that we've seen this year who are pretty freaking tough. You know, like the, the, well, it better be because <laughs> they're going to be run, the running it twenty times a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but is it a long term sustainable? Um, offensive model that Nebraska put together today? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't completely blown away by Logan Smothers. I thought he did a good job and almost led you to the best win in the Scott Frost era, as we know, uh, three quarters in. Um, but you know, it it ultimately, the, yeah, you didn't you didn't ask too much of him. You run an unsustainable game plan, so it's hard to get that big of a read. Other than the fact that you know, I, I think he's serviceable. I think that that's that would be the word. I don't think you have necessarily a future. All Big Ten quarterback in there. Maybe it is. Maybe we just haven't seen that yet. But from that look, it's a serviceable quarterback. And teams can win with a serviceable quarterback. Teams could win with Logan Smothers. I don't know if this team, um, and moving forward, that should be the goal. So if Adrian tries to not walk away. A, not without an offensive philosophy shift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't run your offense the way you want to run it with Logan Smothers, you know, right. at, at the quarterback. Now, that's okay. Maybe... Maybe shortening it down and paring things down a little bit isn't the worst thing in the world for for them to be able. To, we talked about focus earlier. There's a lot of different stuff going on, yeah. and I think a lot of the times, you know, it it does it did seem like over the last couple of years they were, um, you know, blinded in a way by the idea that Adrian could physically do all of these things for him. Right, he's a good runner, but he could also make the throws and make reads down. Or maybe they had an enhanced sense of what Adrian was compared to reality and especially when he's hurt and stuff like that um but there's a lot of stuff on that plate you pair the da- you pair it down a little bit you get a smaller plate and that's an offense that maybe could work for you but what's your ceiling it's limited yeah i mean i don't think they're in the worst position if he's starting next year i just would think that they would bring in competition if adrian does try to you know decide to walk away bring in a, a grad transfer something to compete with him um but at the end of the day it, you know, i liked all the love for love for smothers when he when he threw for 200 ran for 64 had two fumbles one that yeah. got recovered in an interception that sounds, sounds like a lot adrian like game. an adrian game <laughs> it sounds like he played it like adrian and i thought we were tired of adrian 402-464-5685 we have matthew on the line hey matthew Okay, so you guys are obviously younger than me, but I'm not going to be pro-frost or I'm not going to disfrost. But you guys were just talking coaching. And can you explain, because you're, you're, the conversation seems to be that he's a lame duck next year, and, and I understand that he probably is. But how much time in the 21st century should a coach really be getting? After all, Dan Mullen was fired at Florida. And and I know the coaches today tend to not last very long, but, you know, Osborne took a long time before, and I know that was a different era, mm-hmm. but it took him a long time and McBride to finally figure out that they had to get speed on defense and get some athletes in there and, and change the defensive scheme, and it, and it worked out. You know, I, I look at Iowa – 
in Iowa, I see Kirk Ferentz as as consistent, and I see him being as if 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 we'd have kept Frank Solich or even Bo Pelini, guys that could crank out nine wins a year, but never really do much more than that. Um, that's kind of what I see Frank's uh, Kirk Ferentz as. Now, would you take that, or would you constantly want to change it up? Always always chasing something that you may never find. Um, and so I'm just wondering, is that the landscape of today of you got to get somebody in there after three or four years, you, you've got to move on if he's not getting it done? Because, I mean, I don't want to defend Frost, but to a certain extent, I still kind of feel like he's still figuring it out, even though it's, you know, these are his guys by now and so forth. But, I, I don't know. I just feel like he needs more than one solid year. If he can crank out even six wins next year with this type of scheme, meaning three three of those close games go his way, and we're actually winning some of those games because those were those. How many of those teams were top ten when we played them? If we actually win some of those games and we get to six or seven wins, is that enough progress for most people to say, "Hey, okay, he's on the right track." And let's let's see where this goes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, I got you. Thanks for the call, Matthew. Appreciate it. We, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I, he is he figuring it out, or is he just not figured it out, or is he not gonna figure it out? Figure it out. I don't know what you would I, – it's, it's hard for me to go back, like Matthew said, like we're younger, but um, they're not – and I know what he says. They're not close to whatever Tom Osborne was doing in his first few years. No. So we, we can't I, – like I really don't like when that comparison comes up, but I, but I do understand the premise of the question, like how much, how much time does he need. You would have liked to see something in the first four seasons – that would make you say, oh, wow, I feel good about going into year five now. Or let's go back a year. Because remember, we can't forget about the context of this year. You would have liked to see something in the first three seasons, and maybe there was something, or maybe it was just a hope, that in the fourth year, where your roster is set up with a fourth-year starting quarterback and a defense that um, returned everybody because some sort of a, you know, horrible act horrible thing happened right but you got you, you get the advantage of most of your defensive roster coming back which is nice defensive depth chart with the exception of a few guys i mean that is set up to be a good year and what's a good year i don't know if nebraska loses um you know a few games close and they ended up at seven and five the conversation's way different right now but they would have had to they would have had to flip the entire script of what happened this year for them to even get to that point. And at that point it's wishy washy. They went three and nine. They didn't go six and six. No. They went three and nine. So I and I thought at the beginning of the year, like, you know, if they could just scratch out six, like five, oh boy, you're you're you know. And then four is a total disaster. We have to stay true to that, right? So what's three? What's three? Damn near the worst record in Nebraska football history. Ever. Yeah. Ever. So, uh, 
you're just not you're not there's nothing solid there for me to say oh yeah i like the direction this is headed and here's what this guy needs he needs a shot of confidence and a little bit more time underneath his belt um maybe it'd be different if they went 7 and 5 this year but they didn't they they they, they would have had to win four more games <laughs> they're four four more games away from going 7 and 5 <laughs> like this is not this is the this is the math that ultimately i come back to at the end yeah. of the day and we could do the whole close thing but there were four games away from going 7 and 5 which was already bad <laughs> Well, again, and I don't know, like, I understand the, the, like you're saying, maybe give somebody patience, not Tom Osborne. This was not anything to do with Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne took for a national championship program, couldn't get over the line against Oklahoma. That's a completely different scenario than we are today, but I get the idea of patience, but you have to be, you have to be giving yourself belief that the next season's going to go better. Again, what I say, what I see is a, lo- a long-term program problem because, and, and maybe, maybe this is. This is too much, but I, I like the Husker fans that still keep uh, keep the high level of expectation. I, yeah. I think that it should be that way. Um, and now, like, because in the Tell past... Me, look, look at Iowa. Uh, Iowa just won nine games. Ten. Ten. Iowa just won ten games. What do you think of that? What do you think of that team? <laughs> they good? Uh, they're, they're good. Uh, not really good. Not really no. that good. And they won ten games. <laughs> so don't tell me it's not possible to win ten games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But what I'm like, worth... there's the area of opportunity out there for Nebraska. They played all of these teams and 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 lost to them all. And yet we look back at the end of the game and say, oh, well, I don't know if they were that good. And the truth of the matter is, they weren't. It's not that hard. And and uh, like people get offended at that, and I know like it's uh, coaching football is it, like I, I don't want to be the guy sitting over here and say your your job's not that hard. Yeah, but like they get lots of money to do it. I mean, <laughs> right? And we get money to criticize them, I guess. Right. But like not as much. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not quite as much. But I just go it's back to like with Ferentz, people would have said that you would have run him out of Nebraska, maybe after his four and eight season or whatever. Um, you know, he had a seven, six season, a four and eight season, eight and five season from like about when Nebraska joined the big 10. Uh, and, and people would say, well, that, that's ridiculous that you would run him out. And, and it, it does look kind of silly that way, but I mean, Nebraska, we're just, you're just, you're dropping so far into these five losing seasons that now all of a sudden, like, what is the goal? What if you do win? What if you go nine and three next year, which is not going to happen, but what if it happened? And then you go five and seven the next year. Are you just cut? Like, where are you? And that's what that's what I'm worried about. Where Nebraska is as a program, it's almost lost. The it's completely lost its identity as a traditional power. Oh, yeah. And it just doesn't know. Like, there might be some metric that Trev Alberts has, but it's not a long term metric. There's no like long term idea of where this program is going and what the expectation should be because the expectation, what was once shocking a few years ago, is now the norm. And we're and and people love Scott Frost so much, and I get it. No, I mean, if if Nebraska was seven and five, we'd be throwing balloons around. We'd be so excited just to knock off Iowa and get a few wins and look like you're in the right direction. Nebraska wants a winner so bad. The fans, they want that winner so bad to be Scott Frost. It was all perfectly set up, but to the fact that it didn't happen doesn't mean that you have to sit in the purgatory of it. The reason why Frost is a feels like a lame duck coach next year 
is because of what you just said about the difference between the short term and the long term. What it it feels like the mutually agreed upon metrics thing. I mean, that's a that's a one year deal. So what happens if you get the one year? Then what does 2023 look like? So what it feels like is they maybe wanted to make a move and just didn't to save money, to stick with loyalty, to give it one more shot, to let him, let Frost absolutely fail. I don't know. Yeah. One or all of those reasons. Um, that's why it feels like Scott Frost is a lame duck coach. So I'm with you, Bach. The standard still needs to be, man, it's got to, you know, we can't just be like, oh, yeah, six and six. Cool. Let's do extension yeah, and then we'll that's just good. move on for it. No, it shouldn't be that. And I don't think it is that. And, and I don't know. I guess we don't know what the mutually agreed upon metrics are, but there's a reason why it doesn't feel particularly in danger because it, you know, of the way it's headed and what the, and what the long-term future looks like. It's not like, you know, it's not like this is year one where it's like, yeah, okay. They went four and eight this year. Um, but there's some really good stuff in there and, you know, should have won a couple games. And, and, and so in 2021, or whatever it was back in 2018, in three years, there's no doubt in my mind that this team's going to be winning the West. Let's just pretend like this was year one. Let's go ahead and do that again. Let's pretend like this was year one. You tell me right now that you feel like Nebraska's going to be competing for the West under this coaching staff, under this guy, the way things are operating right now in 2024? Yeah, yeah give me a three-year outlook. I... No. No. Not sustainability. No. no. Have you seen his records against all the Big Ten West coaches he's facing? I have. Yeah. This P.J. Fleck can outcoach him. He can't get a win against Ferentz. He can't win get a win against Christ. Brett Bielema spent a, had a cup of coffee in the league's already beat him. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's again, the long term scares me a lot more than the short term. Um, because I just don't, you know, and, and people, some people can see it. That's, the, that's what's crazy is the caller did mention it is that if they fired him, you would have had a split fan base next year. You probably won't, but <laughs> I just, I just don't see much, much in this future besides getting better. Like what's progress next year. That's a big question too. You have an easier schedule. So if you go seven and five yep. and you, and the product looks worse, is that good enough to keep him? Or are we just sitting here for, I mean, I, you just wonder how long is this experiment going to be going to last till? Take a look at the recruiting class for this year, too. Yeah. And not, to, not to pile on, and I know they want to go heavy in the portal, um, but take a look. Is your and and we could, this is both for the one year and for the four year or whatever it is. If you don't know who your starting quarterback is in nine months. <laughs> You don't have any idea who your starting quarterback is going to be in three years. You <laughs> thought you were going to get Dylan Riola, the five-star recruit, the son of Dominic Riola? No. You're not getting him. That'll be tough. He's going to Alabama. He's going to wherever else, you know? Yeah, he's got a Texas offer. I think he want, I think he probably wants to come here. 
but you can't do you can't sign up for this what that's that's what i really get to and i hate to say this because it hurts as, he, as like hell but if you had a son with a division one scholarship from all these different schools and you're thinking about his future not about your fandom about his future and in, in optimizing it do you send him to this staff to the nebraska right now knowing that it's a one-year deal, and then we kind of figure things out after that. Yeah. You, you, could you have be... no clue who your coach will be in two years. No. So it's not fun. And we have a minute left <laughs> in the Husker After Party it, Post Game Show. It's just a, a, a program that is completely lost. That sets the tone for, um, well, you know, we do start week zero again this year. That's right. That's yeah. It's closer to short off season. Week one, back to back in Ireland. We're going. That'll Ireland. be awesome. Yep. Everybody's real jacked for it already. <laughs> Ireland's gonna be like, why did they send these guys? Guys, um, I, I know for as much as you you all call into the show or text in the show and say, man, I I, I feel for you guys. Um, thank you for keeping us company. We would just drive ourselves insane. That's that's speaking for now. Uh, on the post-game shows, and that's during the week, all off-season, too. Um, we appreciate you more than you can know. We're done on the Husker After Party post-game show, but do not tune out. DP and Jake are up next from Tanner's. We will talk to you guys soon. Yeah.